Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is the world to me? That was the question that was posed at the beginning of that hymn of the day we just sang a few minutes ago, appointed for this Sunday of the church year. So what's your answer? How do you answer the question, what is the world to me? Do you even ask yourself that question? Well, the answer to that question, it's a telling thing. It's a marker for you and your life. And it's an important thing that everyone does give answer, whether he may think this is the case or not. So now in that gospel reading today has a parable that does give us an answer to that question. And it's always in a bit of a thought-provoking way. It's a tough reading where Jesus tells the parable that's a bit of a head-scratcher at first. Amongst us pastors, we sometimes refer to this Sunday of the church here as the Epistle Reading Sunday. That is, you avoid preaching on the Gospel reading and just preach on the Epistle. But it's a tough reading, always worth our, our consideration. Because there's that initial reaction where it sounds like Jesus is commending this man for being honest, dishonest. But you see, however, what Jesus is teaching you, and how then, as a Christian, you are to give answer to that question, what is the world to me? But you see, when you do this, you do it all as one who trusts in the Lord, who has overcome the world. And he, and he alone, is your treasure. So listen again to those opening words of the parable that Jesus said. There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, we all know being greedy is deadly. The manager was told was that, and not only was he greedy, but he was dishonest. He broke the many of the commandments in this parable, especially as he stole from his master, as he lied to cover it up, any number of these things. So what is the world to this man? Well... Money is the world to him. Reputation is the world to him. He cared about, after he was thrown out of his management, how people would view him. He wanted to be buddy-buddy with his community so that then at least he would be good in their sight because I scratch your back, you scratch mine. He didn't want shame. He didn't want humiliation. The world to the dishonest manager is a canvas by which he, as an artist, can paint and create any number of false gods in his life and see his life defined by the here and now. What he can see, what he can taste, what he can make, what he can feel, what he can buy. And his creation that he creates is good, it's masterful. 
He's commended for how shrewd he is. But that shouldn't surprise you, should it? Jesus explains that when he said, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So what Jesus is in a sense saying is not only does sin come naturally to us sinful people, but you know what? Apart from Christ, we're pretty good at sinning. We kind of are pretty good experts. Sin becomes an art form, if you will, when one persists in it and lives outside of Christ and is impenitent. I had a class on sin and evil, um, one of my last PhD classes I had, and the professor jokingly said, this is a course, not a lab, right? We weren't to demonstrate sin and evil. But we saw one of those things, just heinous things that man is so capable of accomplishing. So when you hear this reading today, it's a warning to you when you answer that question, what is the world to me? And by living your life, putting all of those things in perspective around the world around you, So think about then when your job, your school, your farm, your family's activities, your community, all all those things around, uh, and when you place them as your world and would sooner break God's commandments than give those things up or suffer a reputation from your world that sees you in a certain way and you value God and his kingdom below those things, there's a problem. Your world is a problem. Now, Pastor, you're right, you may be thinking. But you see, I can have it all. Sure, I may be busy. Who isn't busy nowadays? But I have my priorities in order. I can be in everything. I can do everything. I can have everything because I'm a hard worker. I'm resourceful. I can be a pillar in all of these things and fit God in where I can because, after all, I mean, the church, my faith, those are just a personal matter. Well, what is the mindset of what is the world to me with all of that? It sounds like something very shrewd and jesus said for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light so answering the question what is the world to me is to crucify our old sinful man who's good at rationalizing who's good at sinning who's good at loving the world over god And that's just the same as living this life of mine to get ahead, walk over others, put myself first, like the man did in in the gospel reading. It's coveting, it's stealing, it's lying, and most especially, everything comes back to the first commandment. It's idolatrous. So the epistle reading shows you how so many things in the scriptures teach you what not to do, by way of example. Because they will actually hurt you, and they'll hurt other people. few minutes ago we heard now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did notice he says even desire evil and the holy spirit inspired saint john to write in first john 2 he said do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father but is from the world And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so then the gospel reading today ends with the words of Jesus, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the other, to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or literally the word there is mammon. But there is something to be learned 
in the positive sense from this parable. Something that, as Christians, we can learn that God teaches us how we are to view these things around us. Jesus tells us, he says, And I tell you, you know, outside of the parable here, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So God does use you, and he teaches you to not simply shun the world and live in some secluded community, as tempting as that may be at times, especially nowadays. No, he warns you about the things of the world and what you do have. And how you as a Christian who has a new heart and a new mind in Christ understand properly that you use these things for the sake of Christ, for the sake of his kingdom, which is to say it's for the sake of your neighbor. So with all of that, then, think about how you were forced to give answer to that question, what is the world to me, two years ago, at this time, when rather than sitting right here in our congregation, in our church, you were looking at a world that looked a bit different. It was a bit turned upside down. So when mammon, when stuff was taken away, what did it teach you? Well, it taught you to look to Christ as your treasure. God taught you, too, what it means to give and sacrifice so that your neighbor in need would have help and be loved. And in all of those things, God was fixing your eyes on him, as those words from the Old Testament teach you, what the Lord says to you in times of suffering and in times of great joy. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge, and he has made my way blameless. He has made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. So as we give answer to what is the world to me in times of great suffering, times of a derecho, times of anything else, we know that in all of creation, Nothing can take you away from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what your world is. And looking back, too, you see the love that was shown to one another, and that's reason to rejoice and give thanks to God. We think about for this congregation, the name and people of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Van Horn will be forever remembered for the love and compassion that they showed to all of us during our time of need. You know, a year ago, when it was a year past the derecho, we were over at Van Horn right now. But we know that our brothers and sisters in Christ bore that burden with us without question. Why? Because Christ loves them just as he loves us. And he's called us together as the body of Christ through the waters of holy baptism. Because when we look at this unrighteous wealth around us, when we look at the things of this world, it's what Christians do. We make friends of it, the stuff of this world, and we do it for the sake of our neighbor. They had a church building. They had different things. They helped us. So now then, what is the world to me? Well, look around and what do you see? You see your fellow saints. You see your family. You see the church building St. John. And two years ago, there was a different site. But what church is this? It's not my church. It's not your church. But it does belong to someone, and this someone has bought her with the price of his own blood. The father asked the question when he looked at man and said, what is the world to me? And the father gave an answer to that. He said, go forth, my son. Go and take the sin of the world upon yourself. Suffer, die, and rise again so that the world would be and is redeemed, and you have eternal life.
And boy, doesn't that mean everything. That's what you have, and what a joy it is to have Christ. Listen again to the last stanza of that hymn of the day and, and see how that question, that the hymn starts off with the question, what is the world to me? And it goes into a declaration. What is the world to me? My Jesus is my treasure, my life, my health, my wealth, my friend, my love, my pleasure, my joy, my crown, my all, my bliss eternally. Once more than I declare, what is the world to me? And so baptized into Christ, then, that's your declaration. The world comes, the world goes, but your Lord has overcome the world because he's redeemed it. So use what you have been given and use it wisely. Be faithful in a little when God makes you faithful in much. View everything through the lens of Jesus crucified and risen for you. But you see, know who you are in all of this. Know who you are in this world and know who you, what you have in Christ. Because your sin is forgiven and you have eternal life. So Jesus is indeed your joy, your crown, your all, your bliss eternally. And that's constant. That never changes. And that means absolutely everything, dear saints of God. It means even during times of a derecho. It means everything during times when you sit back in your church building and your home has been rebuilt or is in the process of doing that. Even as we sit here on this day. It means everything as you go through this world as one who is a citizen in God's kingdom means everything as I was visiting with somebody yesterday, praying with them over a hospital bed. It means everything even as you lay on a bed, taking your final breath. For even on that day, you can declare, what is the world to me? Because God is the God who gives life even in the midst of death. And together as God's people, as the body of Christ, as the church, as the people purchased by his own blood, Look forward to that final day when the Lord raises you up and in that new creation and world which will know no sin, no suffering, no death, no storms, no derechos, no crafts and assaults of the devil. And on that day, all of us together, St. John, St. Andrew, all of God's saints, we will be standing there and see God face to face with our own two eyes, just as Job told us in Job 19. And on that day, we will gladly declare, this time rejoicing in the new creation, the new world given to us by the Son, what is the world to me? Amen.